Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have DJ Murakami. His Instagram handle is at StrongCamps. Go check this guy out. He is an expert in human movement, and I'm really excited to talk to this guy. So, without further ado, let's get this party started. Before we get this podcast started, I want to talk to you about the one thing that has been prevalent in my mind recently, and that is the documentary Free Solo with a rock climber named Alex Honnold, and he is a is widely known for free soloing epic mountains, and and this documentary is him free soloing El Capitan in Yosemite, and it is bananas. And there, towards the end of the movie, when he is climbing this thing without any support and without any kind of safety harnesses or ropes or anything like my hands are sweating and my adrenaline is jacked just watching this guy climb this thing it is bananas but what they don't show or they actually show it for about five to ten seconds but they they he has climbed that route so many times that he has it memorized and there's one little clip in that movie where he is going step by step on the most difficult part of that climb and he's just it's insane the mastery that this guy has done and it's uh going along with something that i talked about uh previously about this podcast and i'm going to talk to dj murakami about it too because it's really fascinating to me um but this guy they're looking at this guy like they can't do this well they probably can't because he's put in so much time and so much effort into climbing that mountain and he's thought about it so much and has obsessively climbed that mountain so many times that he just knew that the time was right and he got into this flow state and crushed it in like four hours. So if you haven't watched that movie, please do. It is mastery at its best. I can't say enough about it. It is just fantastic. So that being said, let's get on with this podcast with DJ Murakami. Here we go. Well, thank God we weren't recording earlier. No, <laughs> no, that was incriminating. <laughs> All right, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I appreciate you. Um, so the first thing I want to talk to you about is lifting a satellite dish over your head. What was that like? Um, yeah, it was very, um, very top heavy. Yeah. So the, the balance, the balance was difficult. <laughs> it actually wasn't like, I don't know how much it weighed, but the wind was blowing. Right. So I was waiting between these gusts and one of them hit cause that was like my 10th try. <laughs> <laughs> one of them hit, uh, while it was going up and the whole thing just caught and I almost died. 
but uh <laughs> i i got the post that's all that matters right for the yeah grip. yeah well i'm glad you didn't die because you're a source of inspiration for my movement practice so you know if you die then i'm just like well damn it i guess i gotta go look elsewhere so you know don't die you gotta go watch uh, juju mufu if i go you know? <laughs> yeah that guy <laughs> he's a special guy i feel like i need to talk to him like i feel he really knows what he's talking about but his instagram presence is so wacky and off the wall like trying to figure out what that guy is doing on a regular basis like i don't know and he is strong as shit that guy can lift some weight and he's incredibly mobile and super agile he's kind of a terrifying human being if you think about it like, he's a freak of nature yeah he's super strong incredibly agile and very mobile so he's just like the the trifecta of terror is what i would call it so let me ask you a question if juju mufu put out a course or a training program or something educational would you purchase it or go to it i don't think so because it's the way that he presents himself is not applicable to anything that i'm interested in does that make sense so like whereas yeah. as you know the the way that i see your movement practice is the way that i am uh, working on my movement practice so you know we're we've gone along a similar paths and you're just like a couple of years ahead of me, you know, but, uh, the, the CrossFit, the weightlifting. And then after a while, I kind of hit my limit on what I perceived as, as possible for me to do. And then after a while, I was like, well, why am I doing this? You know, like I hit a 500 pound deadlift and I'm like, okay, cool. So do I just keep practicing this indefinitely and maybe, put in six months of really hard training to get a 525 deadlift or, you know, like um, there's a lot of stuff that you talked about with uh, Shante Cofield that I kind of want to unpack. Like, you know, I hit a, a 225 snatch, you know, that's a, that's a lot of work. That was eight years of practicing the snatch to get from 125 to 225. You know what I mean? So after a while, I'm like, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's like, that's like a really good benchmark for Olympic lifting as far as the snatch goes. Right. And so now what, like, do I put in more training just to snatch more, you know, because that was like the pinnacle of what I had in my head. And so then, you know, I started, um, you know, learning a lot from following different strength conditioning coaches and I was, and started to realize that there was deficiencies in my own movement. Like I never practiced lateral movement because I was a CrossFit athlete. And so then I started incorporating that and then, um, you know, took my uh, first function range conditioning course last year and started incorporating a lot of that stuff. And now I'm just in the same mindset that you're in where I'm just like, well, I want to really challenge my body and see what it can do because I'm strong enough. So now my goal is to hold that strength as long as I can and build variance throughout that strength. So my brain has more options for responding to different events. And, you know, Juj cool. yeah, Juju Mufu is like his, maybe if he started showing a different side of what his actual training is, instead of trying to get Instagram followers, then I'd be more interested because it's, it's obviously working. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I go back and forth myself with like the content I post. Cause I love, I love trying, uh, you know, 
interesting movements that I'm like, Oh, can I do that? And, uh, a lot of stuff I see on Instagram, you know, you hear it a lot. Don't just try the crazy shit you see on Instagram. That's what I do though. (laughs) Right. And I have fun with it. You know, it's fun for me. Uh, so I'll do it and I'll film it, but I don't want to mistake that for my, uh, the intention of my training when I'm going for capacity or specific things that I personally want to work on. So I try to get a good mix of, uh, you know, uh, I guess it would say expanding my capacity, exploring uh, the boundaries of my capacity, and then just exploiting it so I could have fun and do what I like to do. Right. Uh, and I think, I think that's good, a good balance for people's training because I see a lot of people like on the, not that Juju Mufu does this, this is kind of, he's an entertainer. Right. But there's people who that's their training is just doing these performances or choreo- choreographed, you know, things uh, for, you know, the external show. Yeah. And then you have people on the other side who they're only working on uh, increasing capacity, but they never have any meaning or purpose behind it. Like, what are you going to use that for? Right. Like do something with it. So right. I think there's a balance there that's uh, important to go for. Right. And I agree with that completely. And it's a, you know, so it's interesting what people respond to. So that's a really, um, you know, I'm really growing my, uh, my uh, brand on Instagram and, you know, I just video my training sessions and then post what I'm doing. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I use, uh, mobility to warm up my joints. And then, you know, I start doing, um, you know, single leg deadlifts and then I start doing hamstring isolated stuff. And then I just do, you know, sumo deadlifts or, or tempo deadlifts or whatever. And then I add function range conditioning movements on the side or, you know, uh, the isometric movement pathways as like kind of a finisher to like integrate my whole entire body and people, you know, I'll post like, Oh, this is a single arm glute bridge dumbbell bench press. And people like five people like it. And then I'm like, well, this is a half kneeling hamstring curl. And then 150 people like it. And I'm like, okay, so both of these are beneficial. Why do you like this one more? It's just really interesting looking at what people respond to, you know, and like, like for you, you're like, well, these are my uh, sandbag pr- shoulder presses. And they're like, yeah, but you lifted this satellite dish. And that's what I really like, (laughs) you know, and you're like, yeah, but the only reason I could lift that satellite dish is because I practiced with all this other stuff first and essentially built that prerequisite, (laughs) you know, it's really interesting trying to figure out how that works. Yeah. The algorithm is, uh, is very tricky, but, Mm -hmm. um, the yeah and the sandbag might be harder if it's heavy enough than a satellite dish but right you're right we're just going off the it's a visual thing you see on that cover and it's like wow what is that um and people have that formula down pretty well uh who are those fucking people dude uh (laughs) (laughs) have you seen move you yeah like that guy's always like and then the thing and he draws on the other guy and it's like the the perfect like visual thing to get humans to interact and click and see more um guys are geniuses yeah yeah it's funny and instagram i don't know how long you've been using that platform but um like three four years ago it was totally different like 
you would share cool things, um, invite other people to do it. It was a lot of challenges. Yeah. Uh, back when like Insta battle was around and all these people get together and make hashtag challenges and it would form communities of people trying it. And if you wanted help or encouragement, people would be like, Hey, try this or Hey, you need help with this. Now it's like shifted to, to like education and like, um, ideology and uh, like here's a system that's more right than your system no i'm more right no i know more and you need to do it this way so instead of inviting people to explore things it's telling people how to do things right uh and yeah i I think that's just when money got into the social media and and businesses started taking over so now you have these brands and systems and it's like find a tribe but uh i don't know i think we can make Instagram great again. <laughs> I think we can too. And it's a, uh, it's really interesting because you know, there's, so th- there's this podcast that I listen to and this, you're a perfect person to bring it up. It's the hidden brain podcast and the, the title of it's called close enough. And I listened to it and it just shocked me because there's everybody that was on that podcast are essentially people that give up because stuff is hard. And that's doesn't make sense to my head and I don't follow people like that think that way. And I don't surround myself with people that way. And so one of the, um, one of the examples was I want to play a guitar. And so they go on YouTube, they find this expert who has guitar lessons for free on YouTube. And so they watch him and they're like, yeah, I could do that. And then they go and they buy a guitar and then they sit down and they put their hands on it and then they try and follow along with the lesson. And they're like, nope, that's hard. Then just put it away and never touch it again. And that just doesn't make sense to me. And then I start to realize that there's a lot of people out there that think that way. And that's, you know, like, you know, for instance, before I started my fitness journey, I was, you know, 270 pounds, like close to 300 pounds. And I was grossly overweight and I smoked and I drank and I was terrible. And I decided, well, I'm afraid of conflict. So I'm going to try this MMA thing out and then use that to get back into shape. And then for my uh, first and only cage fight, I did. I weighed 191 pounds, and then for my first jiu-jitsu tournament, I weighed 189 pounds. And so, you know, I lost almost 100 pounds. But it took that was like a five-year journey, and I think that it's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around how much work it takes to actually get good at something. And so, you know, going back to like what you were talking about with the snatch, I feel like people are more they feel more accomplished once they reach a certain goal that they've been working for, for a long time. You know what I mean? So like when I look at something that Hunter cook posts on Instagram, or I look at something that you post on Instagram or any one of these other, uh, you know, movement experts that I follow, I look at that and I'm like, shit, that's going to take about a year and a half of training to get there. You know what I mean? But like I spent a lot of time building up those prerequisites. Whereas everybody else is like, shit, I'm not good at it. I'm just going to stop. And it's just so weird. It's so weird. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I, I, that is kind of human nature, right? Right. Uh, it's, it's the, you know, activation energy required to start some a habit. Right. Um, that's why it's, it, you see, those big globo gyms like 60% of their members sign up 
after New Year's and they don't use the gym at all. They don't come. I mean, it's probably a good thing they didn't because I know gyms that have 30,000 registered members, but only a thousand show up. Right. <laughs> they should all show up one day. System. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're banking on that. That's, that's just what humans do. So yeah. And on, and then you compare yourself to say Hunter Cook or these other people on social media who right. you want to do what they do, but it's like, maybe you'd have to uh, pick different parents and play different sports when you're a kid and have different genetics and just have a different movement history. Cause it starts in the womb uh, right. with your genetics and day one, the forces are acting on you. You have your personality, you have the things you chose to do, the things that are, you know, happen in your life. Um, and that builds who you are today. You, your body is in the shape that you created over the whole history of your life. Right. So, yeah. So on one hand, it's like exploit what you're good at. And I, I think push those things and maybe yeah. you're predisposed to one thing. And um, I don't have a problem if you want to specialize and, and push that because you're good at it and it feels good to master something. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I mean, I have that issue. If I'm trying to make a new habit in my life and I try to, and I try to say, all right, I'm going to put five minutes a day to do this thing, like just a minute a day and make a new habit. That's hard. That's hard for people to sustain. Right. Right. Um, I mean, look at just how many people have a hard time flossing. Right. Uh, but I almost think it's easier. I think most people prefer going all in on things right just the extreme like i'm gonna get the guitar and i'm gonna go for two hours straight and do this every day until i get it yeah uh, it's almost hard to take the middle path right yeah well that's like that's how i did you know the mma and the jujitsu and then that's how i did crossfit too where i'm like i'm gonna be i'm just gonna go in four hours a day five hours a day and i'm gonna crush it you know and you make a lot of progress but then after a while you know, especially with CrossFit, you're, you know, when I started back in 2010, it was still possible for the everyday person to go to CrossFit games, you know what I mean? Or CrossFit regionals. It was still possible. Even back then, you just had to sign up for regionals. And then eventually, the next year, that's when they started the Open, and then you had to qualify for regionals. And then Rich Froning was like, well, I'm going to train eight hours a day. And everybody's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then he just started crushing everybody. And then so all these other athletes that were top performers in whatever sport, maybe even multi-sport athletes that couldn't quite get the collegiate level but could, could cross, crossfit started training eight hours a day. And then nobody's going to the crossfit games except for that 0.1%. But then everybody else is like, well, the regionals is my new crossfit games. You know what I mean? So we're all going to train for that. But then – you know, after a while, you start to kind of realize that there's, there's definitely a genetic component there, you know, because if I'm, you know, I trained, like I said, three to four hours of CrossFit a day to become above average, you know, so I was like one of the best in my gym, but I was like top 2000 in my region and you need to be top 30 to go. And then you're like, oh, there's levels to this. You know what I mean? And so like realistically, but if you've gone through 
that struggle and that training. And then when you look at somebody like Hunter Cook, you're like, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. Like, you know, he can knee himself in the eyeball just standing there. You know, I can't do that. And so, but there is a level that I can get to where I'm above average if I keep putting in the training every day, you know, and I'm not training like three to four hours a day right now because I have a career that I need to focus on instead of, you know, being some slack off college kid living on student loans. But, you know, and like, I think it gives you an appreciation because you brought up like bodybuilding or you brought up, you know, like all the different aspects of fitness that you've been involved in. And there's always top performers in each one. And so when you're integrated into that system, then you look at the top performers and you're like, oh, that's a lot of hard work, strong work, dude. You know what I mean? And that's how I look at you or Hunter where I'm just, I can be, well, I could probably do kind of that, but it'll take me a while. You know, like I remember one post that you did where you were, um, in the, the pistol position and you had your leg out in front of you and you had, I think ankle weights and then a chain on your ankle in front of you. And you were doing liftoffs off of the box in front of you. And I was like, wow, that's pretty epic. And I know how hard that would be. And I know that I would really have to work on my ankle mobility to even be able to sit in the pistol shape like that. And you know, that's just a, it's really impressive that you're even able to do that. And so you know, it's just it, like at some points it's inspiring, but you also have to be realistic on what you're capable of doing. And why would anyone want to do that in the first place, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, some people are just like Is that on your dream board. <laughs> <laughs> um, being able to have those capacities is what my ultimate goals are right now. And just like looking like, you know, my mindset's the same where I'm just want to challenge myself and see what I'm capable of doing. You know, the, the, I don't know what that deadlift is called, but you were doing the deadlifts the other day where you have the bar in between your legs. And, you know, I tried that and I was like, okay, that's a different thing. You know, I should probably do this more often because, you know, that's how you pick stuff up, right? You're not going to, you're not going to pick up a, a, a flower pot, like a normal deadlift position. You got to get it centered over your body, right? Yeah. And you're probably never going to pick up anything like a barbell <laughs> outside no. the gym. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, but that that's interesting uh cuz I think everyone, you know, compares themselves to other people, especially the elite. We almost get our idea of fitness from elite athletes, mm -hmm. professional athletes, which is not where I think we should get everyday functional fitness ideals from because they're in a they excel at an artificial sport with constraints it's a game with these rules and they're just they dedicate their life to it they excel at it and then we take those things and we're like okay this is how i'm gonna get fit um i mean to just look inside an everyday gym the barbell's there what do we do with this long piece of metal people usually pick it up a certain way uh, put it on their back and squat up and down um, and then lay on a bench and press it, which I do those. They're great. But the reason we do those is because we're indoctrinated in this culture who happen to have this sport created with this tool and they made a competition out of it. Yep. And it's totally <laughs> arbitrary outside of that. And that's what gets studied in exercise science and 
that's where the benefits, like, of course, there's going to be benefits of putting a load on your body and doing a movement. And then they're like, Oh, you want to build legs, the squat. So it, it's just funny to me when we, this, this world we've created and how real it is and how serious we take it, especially PTs and trainers and these establishments of exercise science and, uh, Man, we're all just monkeys uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get a pump, right? Trying to make, yeah. get some Instagram likes. Um, yeah. But one, one thing I combated that comparison uh, earlier when I was younger, um, and it sounds like you're in CrossFit at like the the prime CrossFit time. That's cool. It was really cool thing that Greg Glassman did. Yeah. Um, I I decided to uh, I wanted to be the strongest in my gym. <laughs> And then I wanted to, I'm like, all right, these CrossFitters are superhuman. So I want to be stronger than the um, best uh, female CrossFitter. So that was like my two-year goal. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Annie Thor's daughter. I was like looking at her numbers. Yeah. Um, and now I'm at the point where I just want to hit a personal PR every day. Yeah. That's it. And it, that sounds like very intense, but it's not because of the variety of intention I use even for the same thing. So it's easy for me to um, push capacity here because there's a million places you can push capacity. But just for my mental and emotional health, that has me very satisfied with training, just hitting PRs every day. And and that could be a a PR rest day. Like, oh, shoot, I never rest. That's a PR. (laughs) Right. And so you, know, you can make it anything, but it's your perception of what you're doing. And it's like, yes, success, a win. Um, and I'm moving forward. Right. And so that's, uh, you know, I'm still coaching CrossFit, even though I don't do it as much. And uh, that's what I try to explain to people, like, especially women when they're like, well, I'm not that strong. I'm like, well, who are you comparing yourself to? Like, because if you're looking at the women of the CrossFit games, I'm not very strong either. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking at Steffi Cohen, I'm not very strong. You know what I mean? Like she is such a savage and you're just like, God damn yeah. it. You know, but it's like, like, so like, are you, who are you comparing yourself to? Cause if you're a male and the average CrossFit male and you're lifting what the women are lifting at the games, you're crushing it. Like if you're lifting over 200 pounds on your snatch, you're doing really good. You know what I mean? If you're lifting over 400 pounds on your deadlift, you're doing great. And that's more than, you know, most people in today's society, you know? And so like just you getting stronger has so many benefits outside of the CrossFit gym. It's insane. Like this, you know, that takes you out of pain. It makes you more capable. It just, it's gives you more confidence. It's just, it's a, it's such a all encompassing benefit, you know? And there's so many like games you could pick to compete at. Um, You could do bodybuilding, powerlifting, kettlebell, mace, uh, body weight. Like there's so many different hierarchies where you have a chance to rise. (laughs) And I think people, I think that was one of the cool things about like movement culture when that became a movement um, is no one in the gym was doing it. So if you got good at those basic skills, you were the best one at the gym. Like I'm the only one who could do a handstand push up in my gym. Right. That, you know, so it allows you to be a, a big fish in a small pond. Right. Um, 
but then again, if that's the only reason you're working out is to um, gain some sort of status, then shit, we probably all do that. So I can't say anything negative. (laughs) But it's, uh, yeah, that's interesting because I'm not necessarily uh, competitive anymore. Like, and so, you know, I got all of that out of my system through like MMA and jujitsu. I did so many CrossFit competitions. It's crazy. You know what I mean? And then after a while, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? You know? So then my whole entire paradigm of fitness and, and, and nutrition would be focused around competition. So then I'd make sure that I had competitions based every three to four, five to five months so that I could be like, okay, so I'm going to go crazy on my diet for like two weeks. And then I got to dial it in because I got another competition coming up and I'm going to rest for a whole week, but then I got to dial it in because I have a competition coming up. And so it almost took me a whole entire year to kind of shift my mindset to like, okay, so now I got to eat better for the rest of my life. What does that mean? Or I got to, I got to start training for the rest of my life. What does that mean? Like, how do I wrap my head around that? And so, like you said, just maintaining the strength that you have and then building variance within that strength is what my ultimate goal is. And, 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 you know, there's just so many opportunities out there to continue training. Whereas like with CrossFit, you're just like, well, I guess I'll get better at muscle ups now, you know, or practice doing a hundred thrusters in a row. I don't know. You know, it's just really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, CrossFit has a lot of opportunities for, um, I, I like how everything's recorded. So it's like, you want to beat your Fran time, but then it's like, how many times can you do Fran in a year and beat your time? Right. Yeah. Um, so there, I, I think, yeah, back, back when you were, uh, in the heyday, there was a lot of, lot more variety in the programming. And now, uh, it seems like after the games, the uh, those hero wads really caught on, uh, and it became like coming to the gym to perform. And now I think it's it's gone back. Like you're you work at a CrossFit gym, yeah. yeah. A lot of CrossFits now are great at programming, right? Um, so, yeah, it's just the it's the pendulum swings, yep. and uh, I've, it'll always go back towards the center at some point. So it's good. Yeah. And so the, you know, when I first started, like the five by five back squat was the workout of the day. So you did your back squats and you went home. And then, you know, like 2011 to 2012, like right in there is when the games really popped off. They went, you know, it it was the second or third year at the Staples Center or whatever, or no, was the Staples? No, Home Depot Center or whatever it was. And uh, that's when they were like, well, we need strength and metabolic conditioning at the same time because if we spend a day without doing metcons and we lose our fitness and if we spend days without doing strength then we lose our strength (laughs) and you're like okay but then i was totally drinking that kool-aid you know i just was obsessed with getting stronger and faster at the same time and now i'm obsessed with just kind of making my shit work nice indefinitely you know and it's just this paradigm shift in my head and but now like the whole entire fitness industry is centered around intensity i think and i don't think that 
that's maintainable, you know, especially for, I'll say, especially for me, and I'm just speaking from my own personal bias, but. Yeah. Are you saying as far as the uh, CrossFit community? So there's CrossFit, but then the next option is like Orange Theory. And then like the next option is like, uh, you know, like the, the Peloton interval training. And then, you know, there's like the HIIT training where you're just doing everything at high intensity. And, and one of the biggest things that drives me crazy is when, you know, our gym does program three by three back squat. And then people are like, shit, I didn't even sweat today. I'm going to go run a 5k or I'm going to go do 400 meter intervals. And you're just like, just, just chill out. You like, or squat heavier next time. I don't know. Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. And so. And is, is that even like true, a true highest level intensity? I don't think so. Yeah. Because uh, if you're doing a hit class or Orange Theory for how long are they, 30 minutes or something? Yeah. Th- um, I think Orange Theory is just for the whole hour and they spend like the first oh, half hour I- doing intervals on the, uh, on the, either a treadmill or a rower. And then after that, they go and do like TRX and dumbbell stuff and, you know, kind of just, but they have to keep their, the orange theory is just like keeping their heart rate within the orange zone or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Great franchise to invest in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like a half a million. But um, yeah, I mean, if I put a, a lion on a leash uh, and put you on a heavy sled, um, it'll take maybe a minute and a half, two minutes before you're throwing up on the ground shaking and that's it for the day. Yes. So I don't know. I think, so as far as that kind of intensity, I think a lot of people aren't doing that at all. I think yeah. a lot of people, orange theory and these things are pacing themselves and just thinking about that heart rate zone and not going into that, um, uh, that level. But yeah, it is that zone you're talking about that, that crossfit like, you know, pace for the, for the performance and stress, uh, strategize and all that is, it is, um, mainstream and you're selling that experience, which everyone kind of feels it. So that's, that's one thing they got going for them. But yeah, how sustainable is that? If that's your only metric you're going off of is just killing yourself for an hour. Yeah. Uh, And you know, cause then you go into like the, the, neuroscience and all the the people are in a sympathetic state already and then you bring them into this place that's supposed to make them feel better but then they have another sympathetic response and they never really get out of that sympathetic state so they're just constantly stressed out and then go and get more stress and then get anxiety about how much stress that they didn't get which then gives them more stress you know what i mean it's just this weird kind of cycle that people are in, but then, you know, like the, you brought up the sleds. Those are such a fantastic instrument of fitness that, and you know, when we, when summer comes along and we do a sled workout that just crushes people because like you said, there's, they're not practicing intensity, they're practicing pacing. And that's something that I learned as I competed more in CrossFit is pacing from the outset because everybody else that's inexperienced, they're going to go crush it balls to the wall the first two and a half minutes and then just tank and then you just keep your same pace and just end up beating everybody right yeah or, yeah. or in uh in my jujitsu tournaments i just made sure that i was in really good shape and i was in a higher weight class where there was a bunch of wrestlers and those wrestlers just assault you for like 
a minute and a half. And then after that, they just peter out and then you start attacking them and then they start to panic. And then that's when you get your submission. Right. And so it's just, if you can survive that initial onslaught, then you win no matter what you're doing. It's just, I don't know, it's just really interesting. Yeah. I feel like that's um, what Rich Froning was so good at. For sure. Was, dude, he always kept his cool. Um, he never seemed like he was freaking out uh, and he, he would pace and he would go when he needed to go. And, you know, he never felt rushed or pressured. Uh, yeah. I think that is just a mental skill. Uh, yeah. and, you know, it has to do with regulating your nervous system and, and keeping control of that. And yeah, he was one of the best all time. Yeah. And then, you know, that's where breathing is really important. And man, I remember, I think I've told this story on the podcast a few times, but I remember when I first started, like the very first second I started thinking under stress and it was, um, we were doing um, MMA sparring and I was pinned up against the cage and I was getting hit in my face. And I was like, I remember just snapping out of it being like, okay, what the hell are we doing? We're getting hit in the face. We need to stop that immediately. And then what do we do? Okay. So now we got to stand up and now we get, so we're going to cage walk and then we're going to spin them. So then I could get off the cage and now I have space and now I can start working, you know? And then I remember um, my very, my uh, second jujitsu tournament, like speaking of wrestlers, this guy was just a psycho. But so we got there at eight o'clock in the morning and my first match wasn't until like four o'clock in the afternoon. So I was like videotaping all my friends and hanging out, having a good time. And then I kept hearing my name over the loudspeaker and then it was my turn. And they were like, okay, so you're up. And I put my mouthpiece in and then I was looking around and this guy's like, go. And then this guy just started assaulting me and I'm like, holy shit, what is happening? And it was like I said, the first like 90 seconds was just chaos and scrambling. And then I finally was able to sweep him and then hold him and then just be like, okay, what happened? Are we okay? Okay. So we're still rolling. So that means that he didn't tap me. So, okay. So now we need to start working, you know? And it was just, you know, being able to think under duress, I think is really important, but then you have to get yourself into those positions, which is why I think people should compete, you know, uh, should compete for the, um, the measure of, of like where you're at and yeah. the, the, the pressure and all that. Yeah. Because I think, um, there's, we live in a society where there's no longer, um, like a rite of passage, you know what I mean? We, there's no longer any struggle. And so I think that struggle is really important and and having something to work towards is really important but i think that once you get your head wrapped around that then it lo no longer becomes necessary and like i said that was probably like a decade long experience for me to where i was finally like okay i don't need to compete anymore because now i have my head wrapped around this idea that i need in order to be a human you know so like my first rite of passage was that very first cage fight that I did where I trained my ass off for three years and finally felt the confidence to go in there. And when I went in there, I just got just mauled by a guy that was like 20 pounds heavier than me because it was an amateur cage fight and there's no weight classes really, you know, they're just like, well, this guy kind of weighs this much and this guy kind of weighs this much. Let's put them together, you know? And so but it was just like one of those things where I was like, okay, so now I did this and now I feel like I can do anything. 
but uh it's it's i think that is why you know as a massage therapist i have a lot of clients that are like they only see me once a year and it's only the two months leading up to imaging and it's like shit i signed up for imaging now i gotta train my ass off and i gotta go do this and then I'm hurt all the time and you need to keep me together. And then they go do imaging and then that's their struggle for the year. And then they cool off and live their, the rest of their life. And then the next year comes around, they're like, shit, I'm really bored. I should create struggle. Okay. Here's imaging again. Let's do that. You know? And so that's just, I feel like setting something, setting a standard for yourself and that's the way to do it. Mm. Yeah. Struggle is, it's something we crave, especially uh, males yeah. nowadays. Um, yeah, so we're, it, you're, you're right. That rite of passage is, is gone. And I feel like that's what attracts people to not, not just CrossFit or sports, but just the gym, um, to, to the bar, to the iron. Yeah. We're, we're searching for something. Right. I mean – I try to, I'm trying to discover that. I think I talked about it with the snatch, but there's this, there's this fight, this, this fight or feeling that we, we crave. And I mean, if we take it all the way back to movement as a, you know, hunter gatherer, you know, males would go out for the hunt Mm -hmm. and you know, and then, then this became like a ritualized thing, like the hunt. There was a whole process of going out and they, you know, developed a, an art out of it. And there was teamwork. I mean, there was the actual physical hunt and kill and then sitting by a fire and then telling stories and there was teamwork involved. And then it evolved into like um, making uh, games out of it. So then it became... That you know they're going for the same feeling, but it's not as as serious. But they're mimicking that feeling, and then came um, sport, and then came exercising and training for the sport, and then came uh, exercising to be healthy and moving functionally. And we're so far separated, and it became about it became about the movement when I think it started off as as a feeling and as meaning and as um, just something of substance you receive that goes way beyond the actual way you move your body. Right. So I think we're removed and we're confused and uh, there's all these like, how, how do we do it? And I don't know, I, I'm starting to look the other way of some, some things that were lost. Yeah. Um, maybe harder to articulate and teach, but uh, I think we're all finding it in our own way. Right. And so, you know, just from uh, my massage therapy practice, like I tell a lot of people, if you want to be healthy or just be a hippie, just less weird, you know, like you don't need the dreadlocks, but you should probably walk around without shoes on, you know, because you should probably have stronger feet and you should probably be in contact with the ground. You need to be able to figure out like your environment through your feet because there's like 25% of your, um, your sensory input comes from your feet, but we have them in shoes all day long, you know? So then, and just getting your feet stronger translates all the way up the chain and gets rid of back pain. And it's, it's just a really simple hack, you know, like eat real food. And that's really hard for us nowadays because it's not, 
it's in abundance, but you have to go seek it. And people aren't really willing to, and they aren't really willing to sit there and cook because it's just easier to go out and get something, you know? So that's where uh, the people struggle. And it's a, uh, it's such an interesting problem that we have, like where people are like, I don't want to wake up early. It's hard. And I'm like, right. But that's how you have more time to do stuff. You know? So like I wake up three hours before my wife and I sit there and I meditate and I drink my coffee and I feed my dogs and I read my books. And then by the time my wife wakes up, you know, I've done so much of this personal stuff and this me time stuff already, but people don't do that. And it's a, uh, just putting forth like even the effort of just making your bed every day. You know what I mean? That's like, it's like a, it's this weird thing that, that like you said, people try to chase it, but we're not quite, we, we don't, it's not as detrimental to our survival. Right. So that's, that's kind of where you're going is we're no longer surviving. We're thriving. And that's creating this, uh, this, weird kind of feeling of discomfort where we need to be able to survive something again. So that's why people love those hero workouts, right? Like, you know, Murph is a perfect example because, you know, I'm a terrible runner. Like I'm a weightlifter. Like if you put me in front of a barbell and be like, lift that a lot, I'm like, okay. But if you're like, Hey, go run and then move your body weight around a lot and then go run again. That's like a struggle for me, but it's also like the, the one one of the crucibles that I do each year just to show myself that I'm capable of overcoming things. Right. And so, you know, getting to the point where you're, you're, um, mentally just shot to shit and you're running and you're like, okay, we're just going to run to the next driveway and then we'll take a break. And then in your head, you're like, shit, I passed the driveway. So we'll just run to the mailbox and we'll take a break there. And so you're really just like tricking yourself into keeping going, right? But that's yeah. like where you get that mental fortitude to realize that like, well, or like the cage fight's another good example. Like I remember like being really nervous for this job interview and then realizing nobody's going to punch me. I don't, need, I don't need to put my mouthpiece in. We're going to be okay. They're just going to ask me questions and I might get the job and I might not. It's cool. We'll figure it out. You know, so I think that, yeah, that's such an interesting thing. Trying to chase that. That's I've I've been thinking about it because I listened to your uh, podcast with uh, Shante again, uh, and yeah, that was one thing that you guys were really trying to unpack, and that's a that's an interesting thing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, they say the the flow, is, that flow experience is a peak human experience. That is what we're all chasing. Right. But. Uh, I, the the word flow is weird because there's so many different things within that. Right. Uh, and I don't know if we're talking about the same thing all the time, but right. Um, yeah, that's, um, the, so it seems like we're living a very like comfortable life. Right. People are so comfortable, but they're not right. Because right. they're under stress. Um, I guess you could, almost say it's an addiction to comfort where you need more and more because you're adapting to it. Um, and then we do crave like this struggle and, um, suffering in a sense. So I wonder, like you're saying these people are uh, sympathetic all day and then they go into this like orange theory. What would they be like if they didn't have 
Orange Theory and they were just at home, they'd probably be like fighting with their spouse or, you know, binge eating or who, who knows? Like, yeah. we, we don't need an outlet. So what you're saying is we need discomfort to be comfortable, right? Almost. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we need we need um, I almost want to say confidence, you know, because yeah. um, they're sitting back and, and being comfortable because you think it's safe. And then they're standing up and going out where it's not necessarily safe. But when you confront it, when you win, your world of safety just improved. Yeah. Your world of comfort just improved. Um, so, yeah, we have to spend time at those edges, which, you know, everyone says. But ironically, that creates more safety and comfort. Um, and the opposite going into comfort um, makes the world less safe. Yeah. So there's this guy that was just on Joe Rogan's podcast. I think his name is John O'Malley or something like that. He's one of the, he's like one of those crazy people that like climbed all of the highest peaks in the, in each continent, like in a row. And on his hundredth day is when he did um, uh, Mount Everest and he was talking about when he it he uh did this trek across Antarctica and it took him 52 days and his he mastered he was talking about how he feels like he mastered the flow state within that set of 52 days because you're just in Antarctica by yourself there's no sound except for wind and crunching snow and he had to when he started out his sled that he was pulling with all of his supplies on it weighed 350 pounds and you know that's how he really got in touch with himself right is is the internal narrative like he remembers calling his wife on the satellite phone an hour into that expedition be like i can't do this and she's like well how about you just make it to the first checkpoint first and then quit and he's like okay so then he makes it the first checkpoint and then ultimately clears that whole entire challenge but um on his last day he said that he was in like a uh god what was it like a 30 hour flow state because he just wanted to be done and so he just started charging and the only times that he stopped was to melt snow so that he could drink water and then keep going you know and it's so you'll have to listen to that podcast because it's pretty bonkers like listen to that guy you know, so with the the flow state that I have found and that I've experienced in my life is when it was a fight or flight moment and you had to act on that moment, right? So like the Bruce Lee says that the essence of his martial art is, you know, thinking and doing essentially. So when a um, an interviewer asked him, what's the essence of your martial art? And he threw an apple at him and they caught it. He said, that's the essence of my martial art just doing what you're supposed to do. And so when that wrestler was That's assaulting badass. me, yeah, man, <laughs> when that wrestler was assaulting me, I wasn't thinking, okay, so I need to sweep the leg. I need to grab his, I need to get my underhooks. I need to make sure, you know, I was just like, oh God, I got to figure out what I'm doing. And my body was just doing it until I got control of that situation, you know? So that's when I started flowing. And then that's where 
you see a submission and just grab it. You're not thinking about it. You just grab it. Right. Or, you know, like being in the middle of a CrossFit competition in a long workout and just doing the work. I remember one CrossFit competition where, um, they just expanded their gym and they had a bunch of brand new ropes that nobody had climbed yet. And so they were really kind of waxy and slippery still. And I remember watching three heats go before me where people couldn't climb the ropes. And I was just like, Oh shit, I'm not going to be able to climb the rope. I'm just, I sat there freaking out being like, well, you're just going to fail this competition obviously because everybody else is failing. But then once I got on the floor and then I shut my mind off and I started doing the work, then I just climbed the ropes and then it was over, you know? And it's just like, I just, when you get to that point where you do what you need to do, then that's where that flow state is. But then I don't think being conscious of it is, that's the hard part. You know what I mean? Cause you either are, or you aren't. And that's just my experience with it. You know? So like, uh, the snatch, like you said, is a perfect example, although it is fleeting. So it's not very, it's not very long. It's like whatever two or three seconds that it takes to complete that snatch. But if you're thinking about it and you're like, Ooh, that feels kind of heavy. I don't know if I could do this, man. I didn't really eat enough today. I didn't have my pre-workout. I'm not going to be able to do it because I didn't have my pre-workout. Then you start failing, right? But if you just like visualize and then get in that space and then go up and hit it, then you hit it. And it, like, it's just like magic. Like you pull and then you catch it. And like you were saying in that podcast, sometimes you're like, oh shit, I should probably stand up now, I guess. Because like, I caught this thing. You know what I mean? So I think the the conscious effort of the flow state is where people are struggling with it yeah that's i mean your brain's totally changing during that right like during right. The, like you said you can't be in your head during the snatch you have to be in the moment and you have to be fully committed to the task um and i think that's the um the uh task negative part of the brain that shuts off and you go into this uh, task positive which uh same thing with uh, psychedelics uh, tends to do that and, that and that's why you feel very like in the present and you have all this more information coming in right. uh, you know same feeling of a golf perfect golf swing when you hit it and it's like that just like did it by itself and went exactly where it wanted to go uh, and it's funny the language you use when that like it went where it went it's like you're not part of it right yeah. it just happened on its own and I think mentally the, those parts of the brain that are shut off or you divert um, work from is that sense of the ego self and where that ranks and that talk just goes away and you're in the moment, just like Bruce Lee throwing the apple. Yeah. There, you know, there is no apple. Right. <laughs> you know, there's nothing in my pop. And I think that is, you know, that's something that people crave and want to go into more and uh even like running these distance things maybe at orange theory i don't know i haven't done it yeah um, crossfit for sure like these are just access points to that boundary disillusion where you let it go and you open up and you're in the moment and it's like god we evolved like we were in that so much and we were so far away and these little things give us a taste of that um so yeah i think that is is great and i think we need more of it and i i incur i will never shame anyone 
who's choosing to do that the way they want to do it, even though it might not be, we bring in the physical aspect of it, right? Like that's not safe or that's wrong or that's not, uh, you can't uh, sustain that practice. Like, hey, I understand you. It's improving your experience of life. And as far as my job is, is what I want to do as a trainer is help people do that for as long as they can um, as best as they can and feel good doing it. Then, right. then I'm happy. Right. So then it's almost like being in touch with your subconscious self and like thinking without thinking is essentially kind of what I'm interpreting from this conversation about what flow state is because we're so stuck in our head all the time. And so, you know, like CrossFit, like I said, is another good example of that. You know, when I say three, two, one, go, and I start the clock, and we're like 30 seconds into the workout and somebody's like, turn your music up. I'm like, mm, that's your internal narrative right there. And that volume went from like two to 11. And so that's how you talk to yourself all the time. So you should probably pay attention to that, you know, but like, I'll turn the music up for you because that's my job, but you should unpack all that. You know what I mean? Because that's probably why, like what you're saying to yourself right now, is probably why you haven't hit that snatch that you wanted or why you haven't hit that deadlift that you wanted because you're not allowing yourself to do it. You're just thinking about it too much. But then, you know, that's why people don't start podcasts or don't start that job or don't start going to school or, you know, whatever their passion is, they don't start following it because they think about it too much instead of just going. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we live in we live in our heads so much now. Yeah, uh, and that social media and the internet doesn't help. But no, right? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It it's is hard, but, the younger generation, man. Yeah, they're so weird, and so that I think that's why podcasts are taking off so much is because uh, people value conversation, but there's this whole generation of people that don't converse. You know what I mean? Like you go there and they're sitting next to each other, texting each other. And it's like, look at their eyeballs and talk to them. You know what I mean? This is, you're doing that. That's so weird. Hey, that's so true, man. <laughs> this is, this is one of the longest conversations I've had in, in a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, and that's, that's an issue I have. Cause I'm, <clears throat> I'm not, a, I'm not a real conversationalist. I guess you would say like, I come in the gym <clears throat> with my uh, AirPods on and, I'm in and I try to get out without talking to anyone. But that is, like we talked about before, that's me running into what I think is comfortable and not um, going into uh, discomfort or or that boundary. And it's funny because I recently, there's a kid in here who, he would come in the gym and he would say hello to every single person and before he left, he would say goodbye, look you in the eyes or shake your hand or something and before he left. Yeah. And I was like, that, that's not a, a chance occurrence. Yeah. He, he's going to do that every time. That's just what he does. That's yeah. an intentful practice. And I was like, I, I need to start doing that. You know, <laughs> like I just, who am I to, to not do that? You know what I mean? Right. And so what's interesting is I've been talking to a lot of trainers that are almost, they're introverts, 
but then choose to be extroverts because it makes them uncomfortable and fills some kind of void. You know what I mean? Cause like I am, I am very personable and I love talking to people, but I also don't have a problem sitting on my couch and reading a book all day or even, you know, binge watching Punisher season two. I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying. Dude, they awesome. canceled that show. I know why. <laughs> so, <laughs> Makes no sense. It's so good. Oh my God. Ah. <laughs> Dude, he is yeah, greatest show ever. That gets That's me so pumped up too. <laughs> oh my God. But anyway, um, and so I'm, I, I feel like I try really hard to be both, but I talk to a lot of trainers who, or even, um, you know, teachers, because that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about is like your the education courses that you teach, because you just taught um, at my friend's place, uh, Andy Shea at uh, Movement Reborn. And, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of teachers that like really like being by themselves, but then also love to go and teach what they know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. I think that's funny you said trainers do that because it was a while ago. It was one of my goals was to talk to a stranger new every day, one stranger. Yeah. But I think it's because it's because we're we're so we our life is about training our bodies and improving it, and then we take that um, mindset and we're like, I want to do personal development or I want to train this social skill I'm lacking in, and we just see it as training all these different skills. Um, which I think is a lot of personal trainers are into like personal development, self-help and probably get all these books. Who knows if they do anything, but yeah, yeah, we, we are all about that. Um, which I guess is good. You know, it's not a bad thing. Uh, especially business and all those other things. Like they're all just, um, things to improve at. And, uh, yeah, it is. I do think people who excel are, or maybe it's just uh, uh, gym rats, uh, movers, like a lot of these movement culture people uh, are introverted um, and maybe insecure. Yeah. Like I'll say right now, one of the biggest things that got um, my physical structure where I am today is insecurity and fear. Right. Yeah. Two huge motivators. Right. Two huge things that caused me to put on physical armor. Right. Which is, um, which is the same with me, right? Like that's why I started MMA in the first place is cause I was terrified of conflict, you know? So that's a, that's a really interesting thing is like, uh, you know, marching towards your fear and going head on into it and then realizing that ultimately there's not a whole lot to be afraid of. You know what I mean? So then what you learn about, conflict is it's it it most of the time it doesn't have anything to do with you it has everything to do with them and so they're afraid also that's just how they're choosing to project it you know what i mean and so everybody like so once you start to understand what violence is then you start to understand that a lot of people are afraid of violence and the ones that are not afraid of violence are not the ones creating it. Does that make sense? Mm, that's, a, yeah. that's really, that's what I learned. And so when somebody is choosing violence, you have to realize that they're only acting violent because they don't really know the underpinnings of what violence truly is. And so like 
me, um, <coughs> excuse me, me, like going through all that training and understanding violence to very specific points to where, you know, I was even starting to coach people on it. Like I avoid it at all costs because it's terrifying. And so, you know, even though I'm comfortable in that space and I'm, I can handle myself if I get there, I choose not to get there because shit happens. You know what I mean? So that makes you more aware of situations and more aware of what's going on and with, and avoiding those altercations altogether. And that's how, you know, the most violent people I've ever met are, you know, I've had, I've, uh, I was really good friends with elite warfighters who, you know, like, uh, first force recon Marines. And, you know, these just crazy, like one of my clients is a, a former green beret and they don't go to bars because it's like, those are terrifying people. You know, it's just really interesting. And so, you know, the, like for me, like CrossFit was really beneficial, especially coaching it because I had just was terrified of public speaking because I was terrified of making my, an ass out of myself. You know what I mean? But then, you know, that's, if you start to realize that everybody's insecure about something and it doesn't really matter, you know, so then you just go up and just give your best shot. And if you know what you're talking about, then everybody follows you and you're good to go. And so I think, uh, yeah, that's so that, Oh, that was one other thing I wanted to bring up. I just listened to a podcast where, you know, it was called, uh, making a better you. And it was this guy who was afraid of rejection. So one of the cures that he found was, um, he would go get rejected every day for a hundred days. And, he, <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. Like he would go to this burger place and like, be like, can I get a burger refill? And they're like, what? He's like, Oh, I really like your burgers. And I was just, I wanted a burger refill. And they're like, uh, we don't do that here. And he's like, okay. And then just would walk away. And what he found was that like, it's really not that bad. And it's all just kind of made up in your head. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, Jesse, let's do that for the next hundred days. Just go and get rejected. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go up to the, the hottest girl, you know, <laughs> marry me. No. No, yeah. Who does that? They say like, can I get, uh, can I get 20% off? They'll say that. Yeah. Sometimes it works like, oh yeah, we have a code we, or a discount or a coupon. Right. Sometimes it works, you know? Yeah, he would just go up and ask strangers, can I borrow $100? And they're like, no. And he's like, okay. And then would just run away. And then as he's like reflecting on it, he's like, wait, that guy was about to ask me why I needed $100. And so maybe if I sat there and actually had a conversation with this guy about why I needed $100, he might have even loaned it to me. You never know. So don't just run away from this problem that you created in your head. But then he would like, walk up and knock on a door and be like, Hey, can I plant a flower in your front yard? Or can I go play a soccer game in your backyard? And just like start asking these random people different stuff. And so the reality is, is out of that hundred days, he had a 50% success rate, you know? So wow. that, right. So people would just let him do stuff except for but burger I, refills. <laughs> after the hundred days, was he uh, like a, a psychopath after that? Or did he go back to the normal baseline? <laughs> no, he started his own business and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, started a family and, and got married and, um, you know, he still like those underlying fears of what you don't do every day still kind of creep in. That's why I need to 
like do jujitsu sparring every once in a while, or I need to do some kickboxing every once in a while. So I don't, so I can give my, like re up my confidence that I still have those abilities to handle myself in situations if they arise, but he still practices getting rejected two or three times a week. And sometimes he's like, shit, I haven't been rejected in a while. I'm going to go try that out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. a good practice. Yeah. I think something in intentional like that, that, that pushes a capacity in your life is huge. Right. I mean, like I said before, that's why I like to PR every day in the gym, PR every day um, at home, PR every day for, for business. Just push a, pick a metric, push it. It doesn't have to be the same one, but you always have something inching forward and it adds up. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what matters. And uh, it feels good. Right. And, uh, you know, the Uriah Faber said something about that a long time ago where he was talking about count every single one of your victories, no matter how small they are, because that is what adds up into confidence, right? So like, you know, like you feeling like shit, but then going to the gym anyway is a PR for the day. Count it. You know what I mean? You like being hydrated, that's a PR for the day. You know what I mean? Because the majority of the clients that I have come into my office, I'm like, how much water have you drank today? probably not enough. That's what I hear out of every single mouth. I only had one client being like, Oh, I set an alarm every single hour for myself to drink water. And I'm like, Oh, awesome. So I don't have to give you that speech. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, so yeah. Counting all your victories. That's the, that's the, no matter what it is. So like even, you know, people get overwhelmed with like the dieting thing and you know, I fail on that a lot. And so one way that I, uh, bring it up is if you spend six days a week not going to the gym and eating like garbage every day and then one day a week you eat really healthy and then go to the gym is that going to make a difference the answer is no so the opposite is also true you know what I mean so if you go to the gym and eat healthy every single day and then one day a week you don't go to the gym and you screw off and, and eat like 15 pizzas in a row it doesn't matter because majority of the time you're winning. And so I think people focus so hard on their failures that they don't realize how much they win. Yeah. Or, or like we talked about earlier, they're comparing themselves to someone else. Right. Like, it, you know, if I have someone who's, uh, let's say, deadlifting and they have this number 405 in their head, but let's say they just hit a, they're feeling good one day and they went up to 315 and it's like, dude, that's a PR. That's the most you've lifted. Great. Write it down. Put it in the books. Celebrate. Right. Like, yeah, I want to go up. I want to go up. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but I'm not. But I'm not very strong because 405. And I'm like, but you're yeah. stronger than you were because 315. You know. Like, and then I, I think like you're gonna you're gonna spoil another PR if you right. if you go up and hit it. Like say that for the next time we do it. And then we hit another PR and it's like wow. And if you get you know the progressive you know the programming right it will set you up for those prs especially if you're doing it conservatively and adding in variety like they're they're there for the taking everywhere um right. but but to see them is a whole different skill in itself and i think that goes into gratitude and that goes into just awareness of of quality it's like wow that felt good like pr you start looking for positive things instead of negative things or instead of uh, that benchmark or, or comparison you're putting yourself up to. So that crosses over into uh, everything in life. 
Right. And so, you know, speaking on the deadlift, this is regressing all the way back to the beginning of our conversation. That's what I thought was really interesting as I hit this number in my head where I didn't really think that it was prudent to go past that. But then after that, I was like, mm, what's down this road over here? A whole different group of movements that I've never done before. So if I accomplish those movements every day, then that's a PR every day because I've never accomplished that. You know what I mean? So now there's this whole new level of excitement and drive to go down this new direction. You know, like that deadlift we were speaking about earlier where you have the deadlift like in between your legs instead of in front of you. Like I've never done that before. So I pulled 315 on that and I was like, sweet. That was a lot higher than I thought, you know, and it's a, it's just this really exciting new path that you can take. And so I think that people get to, they tend to get stuck in the, the, the humdrum of their everyday. Like even, even after a while, CrossFit just becomes to this point where you're just like, cool. So I've done thrusters and pull-ups a million times. Now what, you know what I mean? And then after a while you're like, Oh, what if I go this direction and start practicing this stuff? And, but it's that underlying fear of like, well, I might suck at that though. So I don't really want to go there, you know? So like when I started, uh, you know, adding like functional range conditioning stuff into my programming, I was like, wow, this is really fun. Cause I'm really bad at it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that's, that will humble a CrossFit athlete more than anything is you're like, you think you're pretty strong doing arm circle. And they're like, what? I don't know how to do that. And you're like, oh no. So practice it and then you'll get good at it. Right because you already have this physical capacity, you'll probably get better at it than most people, faster than most people would. Yeah, and especially people like us, we just need to be told like, uh, like as far as like the in-range strength and stuff, like this is strength, like you're just weak. Right. <laughs> and then we're like, oh shit, I could, I could get better at that. Right. Uh, like that's what, that's what I need. Like I can't, before when I was, I was doing all the like, rolling and stretching and band distract stuff and it just started and I needed more and more uh but then when someone when Dr. Spina was like oh yeah you just need to get stronger there I was like oh shit I can do that you know <laughs> that's something I could do that's right. something I know so uh yeah it's a great it's a great thing and it's a there's even in that practice there's a million different things you could pick to get good at right. and you're never you could never stop like right. you go as far as you want to go. And, um, I, and it's, it's a thing where I think about it all the time. Like I think about how can I add variance to that or how can I make that different or how can I make this or transfer this load this way? And so then I get excited to go to the gym every day because I'm trying new stuff every day and I'm trying to be like, okay, so how could I add more resistance to this movement? Or what if I added a band to that one and then, added some resistance here or how can I make this different? And it just makes it so much more exciting. And, uh, you know, speaking at the, the strengths to the end ranges thing, you know, like I did CrossFit for eight years, I did a lot of pistols. And then once I started to control my pistol, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so bad at pistols. It's because there's such a lack of strength through that range of motion for me. And then this, this, uh, prerequisite mobility, especially my ankle dorsiflexion that I don't have in order to create that pistol shape. So, um, I was, so, uh, Dr. Perry Nicholson talks about, uh, speed hides need. 
So the faster you go, that hides the need for strength that you're lacking or stability that you're lacking. And so now that I'm actually working on my pistol, I'm like, ah, shit, I have nothing at that end range. So I need to start working there, you know? So that's where you're doing like isometric holds and, and stuff like that, trying to build strength at that end range, which then translates into your back squat without you training your back squat, you know? So like I just got uh, 10 pound ankle weights in the mail the other day and I was super pumped and did way too many hip cars. And now I can't stand up out of my car, you know, like <laughs> it's so much fun just building all this new capacity and figuring out ways to do things in different directions. Yeah, definitely. And, and like we were talking about the deadlift, like what, what is strong enough? How far do I need to push this? Right. And it's funny when you do go into different things, like maybe I'm going to try the Jefferson, which is between the legs, or I'm going to work on some in-range strength of the joints. When you go into these internal intentions of I want to, this is something that's not controlled or this is a, a weak spot or a hole and you start filling those in, hitting PRs there. And then you go back to the deadlift, you might hit a PR again, or you might be like, dude, this is the best this has ever felt. So it's funny how going for the, the breadth and that, that base, actually uh, you could build the pyramid higher, but yeah. most people are just trying to get as high as they can. Right. Um, which I could see if you're, you're in a specialized sport, maybe that's what you have to do. And I think that's why people do it is because they're watching those specialists, how they train. Yeah. I want to do uh, some pro athletes workout program. It's like, no, you don't. Cause you're not a pro athlete. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. You're just going to get crushed. All right, man. Well, we, yeah, crushed this conversation. This was really fun. I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, uh, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, just, um, I guess you can go to my Instagram at strong camps, um, and link to my websites there. Uh, yeah. Right on. And, uh, what books are you reading right now? Oh man, I'm reading, um, finite and infinite games by James Cars is my current read. Uh, uh it's yeah, it's really good. I recommend that one. I think you dig it. Right on, man. I'm putting it on the list. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, brother. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.